So anyway, that's Brother Kuzel. He's, yeah, he's nothing if not straightforward. 1 John chapter 1 this morning. 1 John chapter 1 is where we are going to be. And uh, I just want to take this first chapter. It's just 10, 10 verses long. But I want to deal with some things that uh, are really basic uh, in, in the Christian life. And, and really these are foundational truths in regard to our relationship with the Lord. But even though they're basic and foundational, it would seem as though many people get confused about these things. And so I think it's just important for us to really dig into this this morning and, and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. So if you're there in 1 John chapter 1, if you'd stand with me, if you're able to, for the reading of the scripture, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. I think the first word in this book is the word that is probably the most profound that in all the Bible because it's a pronoun that refers not to a thing but to a person and it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that which was from the beginning Verse 2, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, a needy people, Lord, we need you to meet with us, we need you to speak to us through your word. Lord, I recognize that in this room is a small multitude of souls, and every one of us needs you, and Lord, while I don't pretend to know the needs of hearts in this place, even the needs of my own heart, Lord, I do trust that you know every need of our lives and of our hearts. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just take complete control of everything that is said and done here today. Lord, I pray that you would control my mind and my mouth, that I would speak only those things that are pleasing to you, that are 
biblically accurate, but also, Lord, that your, your spirit would speak through me in power and work in the hearts of your people, I pray. Lord, this morning, there may be some in our midst who do not know Christ, the life, the eternal life. And Lord, I ask that today, as your word is preached, that you would bring them under conviction, that you would show them their, their need for Christ, and, and that they would understand the gospel and turn to Christ and be saved today. But Lord, there also may be saved children of God that are not walking in fellowship with you because of sin. And Lord, if that be the case, open our eyes. Lord, that we may confess and forsake that sin and have fellowship with you. Lord, would you just work in our midst and work among us according to your perfect will? Would you help us as your people to draw nigh unto you and to grow in our love for you and in our Christ-likeness? Bless in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The book of 1 John is an epistle that is written uh, specifically to those who name the name of Christ, those who profess to be born again. And it's kind of an interesting book because it deals with, first of all, how you can be saved and know that you're saved, but then it also deals with issues of, of growing as a Christian and the evidence that ought to be there in every child of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God living in us and through us. In fact, there are several times that the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, actually stops to give us some indications as to why this book was written in the first place. What, what is the intent? Why was this letter written? In fact, in, in the last chapter of the book, over in chapter 5, uh, the, probably the most famous, maybe one of the most famous verses in, in 1 John is in 5 and verse 13, where it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So again, that it's, it's written to people who believe on the name of the Son of God, that what? That ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So in other words, the, one of the reasons that this book was written was so that people would be saved, but also that those who are saved would know that they're saved, that they would have find assurance of their salvation and have confidence. It's a, a tragic thing, I believe, the number of people who have a testimony of salvation and would claim to be a Christian, but really have no assurance of that salvation. They have no confidence that, that they're really ready to meet the Lord. And it is something that so many people struggle with. And I just want you to know that if you do struggle with that, first of all, you're not alone. It is a normal thing, but it is not God's will for you. And there is victory in this. There is the opportunity for you, through the Word of God, to find assurance and confidence in the salvation that God has given to you. That's why he put this book in the Bible, that we might know that we're saved. There are those out there who actually teach that somehow it's a, a sin. They call it a sin of presumption. To, to, to say or claim that you know that you're on your way to heaven. And that's why so many of them, even very religious people, if you were to ask them, you know, do you know 100% that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? They'll say something like this, I hope so, or I think so. I, I, I'm trying really hard, and I, I just want you to know that that's not biblical salvation at all. 
The Bible tells us that we can be saved and know it, that we may know that we have eternal life. So that was one of the reasons that was given, that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might have confidence, but also not only was this book written that we might have forgiveness and know that we have forgiveness, but it was written that we might have fellowship. If you look in verse number three, it says, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Now, who's the us he's talking about? Well, this is the apostle John, and he's speaking of himself as a witness of the life of Christ. He's speaking of himself as a, a witness of, of the sufferings of Christ and, and even talks about how his hands have handled the word of life, that he physically uh, saw with his eyes the Lord Jesus Christ. He touched him. He, he spoke with him. He watched him as he died on the cross, and he saw him as he was, uh, after he was resurrected, after he was raised again. And so he's speaking from the perspective of an eyewitness of Christ. And when he says us, he's referring to those who are witnesses of Christ and his resurrection, which would have certainly been the apostles. And if you really just kind of follow this through logically, when he says you can have fellowship with us, the apostles were the first church that Jesus established. The church was, was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the Bible says, and and, and, and really, the, the, uh, w when we look at this concept of the apostles, these are people who have experienced Christ. And so we're talking about having fellowship with those who know Christ, those who are believers in Christ, and specifically fellowship with God's people in his churches. That this is, this is his plan, that, that we might have fellowship with one another. Did you know that when, when you get saved, you become part of a family? Become part of, become part of the family of God. And we heard a, a great Sunday school lesson this morning encouraging us to, to love one another and, and to remember that all of us are souls for whom Christ died and, and, and we have this family relationship. I'm thankful that not only am I part of the family of God, but by God's grace, he's, he's led me to a scriptural church where I can be part of the body of Christ and I can serve together alongside of his people and be connected and, and have fellowship. I'm thankful for the fellowship of the brethren. But I want you to know that the reason that I'm thankful for the fellowship of the brethren is not just because I appreciate the friendship. I do appreciate the friendship. Some of the best friends that I have in life are people that I've served together alongside of in one of the Lord's churches. I'm thankful for friendship. But the concept of fellowship, he says in verse number three that, uh, that, that you might have fellowship with us. And he says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. The reason that this fellowship is such a wonderful thing is not because we're all just a bunch of likable people and come on in and we're all going to enjoy each other's company. The concept is this. If I am a child of God and I'm in fellowship with the Lord and you are a child of God in fellowship with the Lord, our fellowship is sweet because we're fellowshipping together, but truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son. It's, it's, it's this relationship. And what, what John is saying here, and, and the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle John, is saying that, that these things are being written, that not only that we might have forgiveness of sins and know that we're saved, but also that we might have fellowship, that we might have communion with one another because we have communion with the Father. I would ask you this morning, how's your fellowship with God? Sometimes 
we get a little bit crossways with people, and, and specifically, you know, church members, or, or just our relationship with the church really isn't what it ought to be, and I'll tell you right now that that's, a, that's an indication that something's not right in the fellowship between you and the Father. If our relationship with God is right, our relationships with his people are going to be right. And so this is written that we might have forgiveness and that we might have fellowship. But I want you to notice verse number four. He says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So it's also written that we might have fullness, fullness of joy, that that we might be able to have that inward peace that regardless of what's going on in the world and regardless of what's happening in our lives, that we can honestly say, I have joy in my heart because of my relationship with God. Now, my experience has been, as a Christian, I have not always had these three things. I have not always had assurance of my salvation. There was a time where I really struggled with that. There was a time where I really wrestled with that, and I wasn't sure of my standing. And when I was in that place, I can tell you for sure that my fellowship with God was not where it should have been. And I can tell you that my joy was not full. I didn't have a contentment and a peace and a, and, and a joy about serving the Lord. And so these things are written. This, this book, the purpose of this book, is to help us to grow in our relationship with God to such a point that we have full assurance of our salvation and that we have fellowship with God and with his people, and that we will have fullness of joy, complete peace and contentment. That was why this was written. And it's a powerful book. And I don't know, maybe in future weeks, we'll look at other uh, uh, parts of this book as well. But this this morning, we're just going to focus on chapter 1 and consider some of the things that are mentioned right here in regard to how we can have these three things, how we can have forgiveness and know that we're saved, and how we can have fellowship, and how we can have fullness of joy. How do we do that? Well, he begins in verse number one by introducing us to the person of Christ. I think this is so important because truly these things are found not in a religion, not in a church, not in a ritual, but they're found in a person. The book begins with the word that. I mentioned a moment ago, I think that's a a powerful word, that. It's a pronoun referring to Jesus Christ. We could say who. He who uh, was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. He said in verse number three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Our message, our our preaching is, is not... Listen, if you do these things, you'll have assurance of your salvation. If, if you uh, uh, do these things, you can have fellowship with God and with, with his people. If you'll do these things, you can have fullness of joy. That's not the message. He says all of these things are wrapped up in one person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's him. It's all about him. That's the message. It, it is Jesus. It is the person of Christ. John's gospel, the gospel according to John, begins much the same way. It begins with the person of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the the message of John uh, to the world is that true peace and true contentment and true salvation is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. I can't help but think that many people today are struggling 
specifically when it comes to their assurance of their salvation because they're trusting in an experience rather than in a person. So many people I've talked to, and, and some of them saved people, <clears throat> some of them not, but, but so many that I've talked to just really wrestled and struggled with this thing. How do I really know that I'm saved? How do I really know that I'm ready to meet the Lord? And, and when you talk to them, they, they want to keep going back in their mind to a time, to, a, to, to an experience, to, to a feeling that they had, and, and they're wondering why that feeling's not there. And they say, well, I, I remember I went down to the altar and I prayed this prayer, and I, I remember that my Sunday school teacher told me this, and I remember receiving this track from this person, and, and they'll talk about experiences that they've had. And I just want you to know, none of those things equal salvation. Salvation is found in Jesus. It's a person. It's who he is. He is eternal life. Hold your place here in chapter 1, but go over to chapter 5 if you would. In 1 John chapter 5, and verse number 11. It says, and this is the record... God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The question this morning is not whether you said the right things or did the right things. The question is not whether you got baptized. The question is this, do you have Jesus? Have you received him? It's, it's a person, it's a relationship with the Lord. And John is saying, I'm declaring to you a person. I, I want you to fix your eyes on him. We often will quote from Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus speaks of those who once professed Christianity, but will stand before him in judgment, and he'll say to them, I never knew you. And, and we talk about the reality that many people who think that they're saved, they think they're on their way to heaven, when they, when they really stand before God, they're going to find out that they're not. And that's, that's true, folks. There are a lot of people that are filling the pews of churches today who think, you know, if you were to ask them how, how to be saved, they would, they would be able to quote you scripture and they would, would be able to even give you some, some kind of a, a testimony of, of maybe how they came to that. But when, when they stand before the Lord, they're not going to be ready to meet him. They're not truly saved. But as we read there in Matthew 7, he said, he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and then he goes on and he says this, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? In other words, when they stand before God, their plea to the Lord is, Lord, look what I did. And if that is you this morning, if you're here and you think, well, I'm okay, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven because I did this and I did that and I, I, I responded to a message in this way or that way, if someone witnessed to me and I did this, listen, friend, that is not salvation. Salvation is found in this. When, in other words, when, when, the, when we stand before the Lord and if the Lord were to say to us, why, why should you come into my home? Why should you come into heaven? What gives you the right to be here? The correct answer is not because I did this, Lord. The correct answer is because your son died for me. Be, because because uh, of his sacrifice, because of what Jesus did for me. That's where my confidence rests. It's not in myself. 
It's not in something I've done. It's not in a ritual. It's in Christ and Christ alone. This is why John is saying, I'm declaring him to you. I want you to know him. I want you to know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Christ is not simply a means to an end. He is the end in himself. Jesus is not just the way of salvation in the sense that, yeah, you've got to go through him to get to God. No, I mean, that is true. He said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, I'm the door. But, but we, we sometimes, I think, just think of that intellectually like as some, you know, again, just, just it's like a bar that we've got to cross over. I've got to cross through Christ to get to God. And that's not really the answer. No, he is, the Bible says, eternal life. Look at verse number two. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. The life was manifested. And then he said, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who was with the Father? Well, Jesus was with the Father. And here it says, that eternal life, which was with the Father. In other words, it is calling Jesus not the way to eternal life. It is identifying Him as eternal life. And if you have the Son, if you have Jesus, if you have received Him as your Savior, you have eternal life because in Him is life. If you have Him, you have life. If you don't have Him, you don't have life. Because eternal life is in Jesus. So it's the person of Christ. That's, that's the message. That, that, that is the proclamation of this chapter. So we see the person of Christ, but then we, we, we identify and see the purity of Christ. Look here in verse number 5. It says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. Okay, wait a second here. John, you have a really important message for me. You... You've told me that if I will receive this message, you, you, you're giving this that I might have assurance of my salvation and that I might have fellowship with God and with his people and that I might have fullness of joy. And so when you say this is the message, my ears are going to perk up and listen up. <laughs> Buckle up because here comes the message. This then is the message which we have received, he says in verse number 5. This is the message, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Maybe you scratch your head a little bit and say, that's the message? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Yeah, that's the message. Why is that significant? Well... Because in Christ, there is no darkness. Now, darkness, sometimes in Scripture, is associated with wickedness and sin. Romans 13 and verse number 12 says, uh, speaks of the works of darkness. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. So it's talking about that idea of the, the righteous aren't to be walking with unrighteous. Light's not supposed to be walking with darkness. Ephesians 5 says in verse 11, talks about the unfruitful works of darkness. And so sometimes 
when we consider that subject of darkness, we're talking about wickedness, ungodliness, ungodly living, actions, attitudes, those types of things. And certainly in that sense, it is true that in Christ there is no wickedness, there is no sin. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that God the Father made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. He, he knew no sin. He, he had never sinned. 1 Peter 2 and verse 22 says, Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus is righteous and holy. And by the way, what a contrast from what we are as people. But most of the time, when the Bible refers to darkness, it's not necessarily just talking about the, the actions of unrighteous, unsaved people. It's actually referring to the concept that before the light of the gospel of Christ enters into someone's life, they are like someone who's walking in darkness. They have no understanding of their condition. They have no understanding of God and who he is. They don't really see sin for what it is. You ever talk to people and, and they'll admit that they're a sinner, but they don't really think it's that big of a deal? That's most people in the world. If you were to see, I, I know very few people who would say, no, I've never sinned. You ask someone, I, I have had one or two people tell me that before, but but most people, if you ask them, well, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever, you know, cheated someone? Have you ever been disobedient to your parents, you know, when you were a kid? Have you, have you ever looked on, on, you know, someone lustfully or whatever? They'll admit, yeah, okay, I've done those things. I've, but their attitude is this, well, I'm better than some people. I mean, I've sinned, but we're all humans. Nobody's perfect, and, and so it's not that big of a deal. Why is that? It's because they're walking in darkness. They're confused. When you walk in darkness, you don't really know what's going on around you. You can guess, but you really don't know. Have you ever been driving at night and you get into a really thick fog? I mean, just the kind of fog that you can't see. I mean, you can barely see beyond your headlights, you know? You can maybe see the white line on, on one side of the road and and you're just trying to follow that because there, you can't see what's up ahead. You can't see your surroundings. And sometimes you get a little bit disoriented even. You're not really sure where you are. It's confusing. You're in darkness. You're, you're not able to see. And this is a con condition. God describes the world as lying in darkness. That, that, that the, the kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of darkness. And here Christ comes into the world and he shines a light and he, he sheds light on the world and sheds light on our sin and, 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 and shows us himself and reveals himself to us. And in Christ, he is light and in him is no darkness at all. In this sense, it's important for us to understand that light is a revealer of truth. <clears throat> if the first time you ever met me, we met in a dark room. You could hear my voice, but you couldn't see me. And I said to you, well, let me describe myself to you. I'm six foot four. I have 10% body fat. I'm a bodybuilder. I've got a full head of hair. And uh, I'm the best looking guy you've ever seen. 
Now, you probably wouldn't believe me because someone who's like that probably wouldn't boast about it, but you really wouldn't have a lot to go off of. However, when you turn the light on, guess what happens? What happens, Nick? (laughs) When you turn the light on, you see the truth. Light exposes truth. Christ is light. Christ is a revealer of truth. John chapter 3 and verse number 19 says this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Do you know why so many people reject Christ and reject the Bible? Because the Bible is truth and the Bible is light and Christ is light. And when you come into the presence of the Lord... You begin to see yourself for who you really are. And that's not always a very flattering thing, is it? Light can be an obnoxious thing if you're not seeking it. I grew up in a small house. It, was, it just had one sister and, and my parents. There were just four of us. But we, had a, we lived in a really small house. And, and when I got to be, I don't know, probably a young teenager or somewhere in there, my dad and I built a bedroom in the basement for me. That was my new space. I had my own bedroom in the basement. The only problem with this bedroom is it didn't have any windows in it at all. And there were times that I remember going to lay down in an afternoon and and taking a nap and then waking up from that nap and I'd look at my alarm clock and it would say 5 o'clock or 5.30. And I remember a couple of times thinking, Now, is that 5 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning? Because it was so dark in that room. I mean, you literally, you know how usually in a dark place, your eyes kind of adjust over time, right? It didn't matter how long you were in this room. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I mean, there was no light in there whatsoever. And the worst thing in the world would be Sunday morning, I'd be up late Saturday night, Sunday morning, my dad would come in early in the morning, and he'd open my door. First thing he'd do is hit the light, turn it off. Time to get up. Oh, I love my dad. But there were moments (laughs) that I questioned (laughs) just how much I loved him. I hated that. That light, I mean, it was was irritating because I wanted to sleep. And it was almost painful. You know, I I couldn't even quite open my eyes. It was just such a shock to the system. And so what did I want to do? I wanted him to turn the light off. Shut the light off. It's bothering me. Folks, we live in a world that's living in darkness. And when the light comes, you know what they do? Turn that off. Shut the light off. I don't want it because it disturbs me. I'm, I'm, I'm here in some relative place of peace blissful ignorance to where I really stand before God, but the light exposes the truth, and it's uncomfortable. But here's the thing. If we really want to be right with God, we are to embrace the light of the Lord. We need to accept what the Lord is revealing to us about ourselves. You see, the truth is, when we come into the presence of the Lord, we begin to see Him for who He is. 
And when we see him for who he is, we can't help but admit who we really are. Isaiah, that great prophet of the Lord, in chapter 6 of, of the book of Isaiah, describes a time where he came into the presence of the Lord and he beheld the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up, and he spends several verses just describing the glory and the majesty of what he saw. And his response was, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then he said, For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In other words, I didn't quite understand just how serious my sin was until I began to see God for who he was. When I began to see him for who he was, I couldn't help but admit, woe is me. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, the issue, the problem is not just that all have sinned. The problem is that we've fallen short of God and his glory. Job spoke of this in Job 42. He said to the Lord, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But he said, now mine eye seeth thee. What an incredible statement. And then he said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Because when you see the Lord, when that light shines into your life and reveals the truth to you, the response, there can only be one response, and it's repentance. So here we see that Christ is pure. He's purely light. And notice it says in verse number 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. This is a pretty bold and direct statement. If you say that you are a child of God living in fellowship with him, but you are walking each day in darkness, the Bible says you're a liar. See, when, when a person comes to know Christ, everything changes. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And yet there are those who would say that they're in fellowship with God. But the truth is, their actions show otherwise. They're walking in darkness and they're self-deceived. Verse number 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You can't walk with God and walk in darkness. You can't walk with God and just be okay with, with sin in your life and, and things that are displeasing to Him. If you're in fellowship with Him, there's going to be conviction where, where there's sin. There's going to be repentance from that sin. And, and this is what He's saying. We want you to know the Lord. We want you to have fullness of joy. We want you to have fellowship but first you have to accept the light of Christ. You have to let him come into your life. Expose the truth of who you are. And then he gives us a promise. Look at verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You realize that, that God's condition for salvation is not that you clean up your life. It's not that you change your life and make yourself something that you're not. I think some people confuse this. They misunderstand what biblical repentance is. Some people look at repentance like this thing. I've got I've to reach a certain point 
before God will accept me. I have to change things in my life and, and get rid of things in my life if God's going to accept me. But notice the condition here, confession. Now that confession, that, that if we confess our sins, he's not saying, you know, go find a, a Catholic church that's open somewhere who's got a priest in a booth and go and confess your sins to, to a man. That is not at all what he's saying. What he's saying is this, you were walking in darkness and the light of the gospel, the light of Christ shined into your life and showed you who you were and, and who he is. And if you'll simply confess, you'll admit, you'll agree with what God says about you. Confess your sin to the Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive your sin. This, this is a heart issue. This is, a, this is that issue of, Lord, I am a sinner, and I'm broken, and I am undone. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your, 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 your uh, salvation in my life. If we'll just simply confess our sin to the Lord with a repentant heart, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you're, you don't have a relationship with God because you don't have Christ. You don't have the eternal life that is in him. You say, well, what could I possibly do? I know I'll start tithing and I'll start going to church and I'll get baptized. None of those things are going to fix it. Here's what you do. Simply come before the Lord, broken. I'm a sinner. I'm undone. And ask Him for your mercy. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you'll come to the Lord like that, you never have to wonder, did, did, I, did I do it right? Did I say the right things? Did I do the right things? Will God accept me? Salvation is not dependent on you. It's dependent on His faithfulness. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And this morning, if you're not saved, you can get this settled with God today. Embrace the light that he's trying to give to you. Accept the gift of salvation that he freely offers you. But maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, I, I am saved. I believe I'm saved. I, I, I have Christ. He has changed my life. But I haven't been walking in fellowship to him. I've been walking in some darkness. I've been maybe excusing some things that are in my life. And, and if I'd be honest, there are some things that just aren't quite right between me and the Lord. I've allowed some things to come in and cloud that relationship and that fellowship, and it's taken away my joy. How can I get it right? The answer is the same. <laughs> come before Him. Confess to Him your sin. Allow the light of the, the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to show you, yes, I, I'm wrong, I've sinned. You confess that to the Lord, and friend, I can just promise you on the authority of the word of God, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to restore that fellowship that you've lost because of sin. So as we consider these things this morning from 1 John chapter 1. Let me just ask a few questions. I don't want you to answer me, but I want, I want you to sincerely and honestly answer this between you and God today, knowing that the Spirit of God is searching your heart and knows the truth about you. Here are the questions. First of all, are you saved? Have you acknowledged 
your sin to the Lord and receive his forgiveness. If not, may I just encourage you, friends, there is no reason to resist what God wants to do in your life in saving you. The only possible reason is that you're choosing to love darkness rather than light. Come to the light. Come to Christ. Okay, secondly, Christian, child of God, are you in fellowship with Him? How's your relationship to the Lord today? Is He, you see, He's not just a, a, a means to an end. He is the end in Himself. You can't just say, well, I've been saved. I'm on my way to heaven, so that's good enough. I'll just kind of go through life on my own terms. That's not how this works. It's a relationship with Him. And when something's not right in that relationship, your fellowship is broken. You're not going to have you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have peace in your heart. Can I just encourage you? Come to the Lord today. Deal with whatever issue it is that's keeping you distant from Him. Confess it before Him. He already knows. You're just simply agreeing with Him and admitting it. Allow that fellowship to be restored with God. And by the way, you're going to find your your fellowship, your relationships with His people are going to improve when you do. And then the last question, how's your joy this morning? I didn't ask how your circumstances are. I didn't ask if you're happy. I didn't ask if you have burdens. I asked, how is your joy? Do you have a peace in your heart? Because you know, whatever happens here on this earth doesn't really matter because things are right between me and my God. I remember years ago as I began drawing nigh to the Lord, really for the first time in my life, as a Christian, there was, there was a, a, a time where I came to this realization, I even remember talking to the Lord about this, the very worst thing that could ever happen to me in this life, if I have a close relationship with God, I can make it through. But without him, without that fellowship, there's an emptiness. Even when things are going well, there's just an emptiness there. Because fullness of joy doesn't come from circumstances, and it doesn't come from when everything is going my way. It comes from a right relationship with God. And and I remember at that time just talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, don't ever allow me to stray from you. Don't ever allow me to wander from you because I just, I I need you and and I want to be in fellowship with you and I want to be right with you. I want to go through life in fellowship with God. Friend, can I just encourage you today? Turn to Him. Find, Find fullness of joy. Find contentment. Find peace. Find fellowship. 
with the Lord this morning, not because of anything you've done to earn it, but simply because Him and everything He has done on your behalf, that you can be right with.